Jesus' prayer life. We're going to talk about prayer, and we're going we're gonna to walk through Jesus' prayer life um, in his incarnation before his ascension, before his resurrection from the dead. We, what was Jesus' prayer life like? And, 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 and looking at his disciples' response to what his prayer life was like. I mean, they were rocked by his prayer life. And so let's turn over to Luke chapter 11. Luke chapter 11. When you get there, say amen. If you're not there yet, say hold up. Just go to the first book of the New Testament, Matthew, and just page over two books, and you'll be there. Yeah, yeah. You there yet? All right, let's dive. Verse 1, we're going to just do 1 through 4 today. It's enough in here for the rest of our life, but we only got a little bit of time. Verse 1, now Jesus, is, uh, Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of, the, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread and forgive us our sins. Uh, for we ourselves forgive others who is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation. I know for some of you all who have been to VBS or Sunday school, you're like, that ain't the Lord's Prayer. Well, it is. And the, the focus that Luke has is the Bible, is, not that the Bible got changed. They had, this was a part of their oral tradition of their community oral tradition. And so there were variations of it, but those variations still kept the principle that was being conveyed through each section of the prayer. And so Jesus' prayer life was one of, of, of great um, interest um, to his disciples. And it's interesting that the text opens up with something amazing that it says. It says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Let's, let's stop there. Let's stop there. Now, now, let's think about the fact that Jesus is going to a particular place to pray. But before that, you really can't appreciate the fact that Jesus went to a certain place to pray until you read the, the, the latter part of the chapter before this. Look at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 through 42. Crazy right here. It says, now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with so much serving. And she went up to him and said, Now, Lord, do, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Can you tell her then to help me? But the Lord answered her and said, Martha, Martha, Martha. You are anxious and troubled about many things. But one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. And so you see Jesus rebuking a person not because they are serving, but because of the timing of their serving. In other words, serving for them was the main um, was, was the main course of their life. And so sometimes service can become a distraction when Jesus is present. Matter of fact, it was, it's so mind-boggling here that Jesus was rebuking. He said, look, I'm here, and she's sitting 
getting poured into by me, you're more concerned about doing for me than being with me. But because, because truly doing for me comes from being with me. And if you're not with me, then what you do for me is without me. That's why he says in John 15, apart from me, you can't do anything. And so some of us, when we just jump up and we just wake up and we go on with our day, um, that, that can be a bad thing. And we're going to talk about that a little bit today. But it's interesting that right after Jesus shows that our Lord was so unhypocritical. That's what makes him so perfect. He's not a hypocrite. Because right after he tells somebody else they need to choose the best portion, it's showing him choosing the best portion. What's banging is, is it says, now Jesus was praying in a certain place. Now you got to understand, Jesus ministered in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and all those parts, but he hung out and lived in Bethany where they were. And so it's interesting that Jesus was praying in a certain place. I, I like that. I like that. That means that Jesus had a, a constant place that he met with the Lord at. And many of us, the reason why our spiritual lives many times are scramble is because we don't have a place that draws us into the presence of God. Many of us are, 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 are scattered in our lives and we don't go places where we can have a certain place. Not that, and some of y'all say, well, it don't matter. Neither in Jerusalem or Samaria shall you worship. But the worshipers of God should worship him in spirit and truth. That's true. However, there should be sometimes a place that leaves you undistracted in your ability to engage God. You know, when I like to wake up in the morning, my, my basement is unfinished. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's unfinished. It's, it's hot. No AC down in that joint. It's dusty from the wood that comes off the... The, the, the house with my son's walking around and, and dust just coming down into my basement. But it's something about my basement that quiets my soul. It's something about my basement that pushes out the noise of the world. See, I can sometimes go on my back porch and hang out with the Lord. But sometimes when I go on my back porch and my neighbor, hey, how you doing? What y'all doing over there? I'm like, dang, I was just in a certain spot with the Lord just now. And that kind of messed the whole thing up for your boy. You know what I'm saying? Hey, now, you know, so I'm just kind of messed up. But, but, but that's, so that's why I need a certain place. Say certain place. See, you need a certain place. You need a place that, that, that's key that when you almost walk, I don't know if you've ever experienced it, but a place in your life that when you walk in, there's a real sense that you and the Lord is about to get it in something crazy. And so Jesus Christ meeting in this certain place he, he had a certain place because it's interesting. Most people would look at this passage and say, see, that's why Jesus Christ isn't God, because he had to pray. But see, let's, 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 let's get that off the table right now. We're going to work through that just a little bit. Somebody's saying, well, I'm, 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 you're talking about prayer, but I'm struggling with Jesus praying if y'all cats say that Jesus is God. I'm glad you're thinking that thing. Let's walk through that real quick for a second. Now, we got to understand that Jesus Christ is 100% what? And 100%. So he's fully, authentically God, right? Everything that makes God, God, Jesus is. Everything that makes humans, humans, Jesus is, just without sin or a sin nature. So on planet Earth, Jesus, based on Philippians chapter 2, relinquished his right to use his attributes on his own, which put him in the need of dependence, say dependence. So when his baptism came, when John baptized him, just like the 
pre, the, the, uh, the uh, prophets in the Old Testament would coronate a king and the spirit of God would come upon them and their assignment in their kingly rule would begin. When Jesus Christ was baptized and that water came out, the spirit came like a dove. God the Father affirmed his young buck like, this is my beloved son. Y'all better listen to everything he got to say because he's from your boy. And so all of a sudden from, from that point on, everybody should have been listening to the Lord Jesus Christ, right? But, but, but what's beautiful about that is that Jesus never saw the fact that he's God 100% as, uh, as a lack of a need for the Father in his humanity. In his humanity, he had to pray. In order for his sacrifice to be valid, he had to spend time in prayer. And it wasn't just as an example to us. It was because he authentically needed to be in prayer. And so Jesus challenged, challenged his disciples on this. And so some of the things that prayer emphasizes, especially for humans, is a need. Number one, need. Need. Many of us don't know our need for God. And when you don't know your need for God, when you don't know your need for God, you're going to struggle. Turn this mic on for me. When you, need, when you don't know your need for God, What's going to happen is you are going to struggle because you're going to live, you're going to live your life in such a way that you are living in rash dependence on yourself. And so there's a sense in which prayer is an announcement of in-depth dependence on a need for God. And so when we look at our Lord who was authentically and fully human, he didn't front on his need for God, although he's fully God, he didn't use his godness to impact his humanity so that made him authentically and fully human and in desperate need of God so as as perfect as Jesus is as sinless as Jesus is as booming and able to hear the voice of God as Jesus is he still needed to pray and see, some of us, if we had some of the gifts Jesus had, Jesus, I believe, had all the spiritual gifts in the New Testament, all of them. He ain't, he ain't like have one or two, he had all of them. And you know, some of us would just puff our chest out because we would kind of see that as our lack of need for the Lord. But what's so important is, is, is a need for the Lord should mark the life of anyone that calls themselves a Christian. So not only need, but, but it also emphasizes dependence. Say dependence. Dependence and need are synonymous, but dependence means I can't do it on my own. Number three, intimacy. Say intimacy. Intimacy, connectivity, enjoyment, joy. Humility, say humility. Say accountability and care. And so these are reasons why we pray. And so Jesus thought it much to get it in with the Lord in a certain place, not just any old place. A.W. Tozer is said of him who wrote, who wrote the holiness of God and he wrote the pursuit of God. In the, in the introduction, uh, one of the guys that, 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 that knew about his life said that, that the A.W. Tozer every day at 4 a.m. would get at a certain place in his basement and it was an old dusty and cold part of his basement. But he said some of the greatest conversations that he's ever had with God happen in that certain place. It's not that we don't pray in the car. It's not that we don't pray without ceasing. But there should be some focused time with God in the certain place. And so, and so, and so we have to begin to live our lives in light of that reality. 
It's other places, it talks about the certain place, but it calls it something different, and we're going to describe it. Turn over to Luke chapter 5, verse 16. Good stuff here. So he goes over to verse chapter 5, verse 16. And it says, <clears throat> let's listen to the language of the statement in the ESV version. Listen to what it says. It says, but he would withdraw to desolate places. And pray. I like that. I mean, so when even when he was he was he was a travel he was a traveling evangelist and doing his ministry, it said that Jesus probably would peep out a desolate place where no one would be at, so he could get it in with the Lord. I mean, we can go over passages, and he went away to the mountain, and he went away to the desolate place. Desolate means uninhabited, deserted, absent of uh, inhabitants. A sense of loneliness in the surroundings, remote, solitary. For, for, uh, for Jesus, a place without inhabitants is one where nothing separates him from God in fellowship and which he therefore seeks when he wants to escape the crowds. One of the things that's challenging about our day and age is that technology is at, its greatest, is at one of its greatest heights. And because of that, there are a lot of things that even though you may be in a certain place or a secret place, that you can still be deeply distracted. Like with, like, like with one of these. Do I have it on me? No, I left it up. No, here it is. A phone. Some of us, I know it's emergencies, but, but there was a time we didn't have these. Amen. There, there's a, I like that picture. Um, sometimes we need to put this outside of the certain place. That's a simple application. Uh, uh, dang. 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 All right, Lord. I, I don't know if it's, it's like that for y'all, but the phone is a great temptation to stop spending time in a certain place. And sometimes you need to maybe put this in the bathroom and close the door. And if you got one of those light switches that turn on the light switch, but the other thing, you know what the other thing is for, but it makes noises. Turn that on so you won't hear the ringer. Turn it on, vibrate. Go in another part of the house and get in your certain place. I know that's simple, but so many of us don't do it. I'm going to spend some time on it. <laughs> um, be, be, because you need to, and you may not have that certain place yet. That means you need to go into, into certain places and test those places. To see if you sense a connectivity to the Lord. So you need to touch the, some of y'all got some crazy places. You may need to open the oven and sit on a, and, 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 you know, I don't know what you need to do. Some of y'all may need to close the bathroom door, get in the shower, sit in the tub, and just kind of, I don't know what you, I mean, I don't, whatever way you get it in, get it in, but just get it in. You may need to go for a walk when nobody knows you. You may need to go, you know, to Fairmont Park sometimes. You may need to go for a bike ride. Your bike ride can be that certain place, all right? But you need a certain place. It shouldn't always be that you are trying to pray on the L or the sub or in the car with the music bumping loud or with someone present. Ah, in other words, you, at times, and I'm not trying to be legalistic. I'm just saying if Jesus needed solitude regularly, and he didn't have a sin nature, how much more do those of us who can't keep our eyes off a mess, 
who can't keep ourselves from doing a whole bunch of different things. I, I don't know about y'all, but I need a certain place. And so it's going to be important, and, and that's your assignment. If you don't have a regular place that every time you see that place, it reminds you of your need to get with God in prayer. I don't care what you have going on in your life. I don't care how, much, how many jobs you got. I don't care how many kids you have. Matter of fact, if you're in between jobs, you should be getting it in for the, with the Lord while doing applications. Get into a certain place and then go fill out applications, pray while you... I mean, but you, need, but you need to get with God. I don't care what you got going on, whether you got new babies, old babies, grown babies, dirty babies, clean babies. You need to get in a certain place. I don't care if you're in school and you're taking 21 credits to graduate. Doggone it, you need a certain place more than ever then. Everybody got an excuse. There is no excuse for not getting with the Lord. And that's not legalism. That's called Christianity. So we need to find a place where connectivity with God is rich. Beautiful. Look at another practice of Jesus. Turn over to Mark, and we will come back to Luke. Turn over to Mark chapter 1, verse 32 through 39. This is dope here. I mean, I, 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 I just look at What's in the context? <laughs> the, the context is going to blow your mind. And you'll see the practice of Jesus in this, right? Check it out. Chapter 1, verse 32, right? It says, that evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick and oppressed by demons. Now, stop right there. Now, you got to understand. I don't know if y'all ever been to a missions deal, but we used to support missions in um, Nigeria and Brazil, and we sent teams, and it would be lines. Like, I'm saying, the, the, the level of lines that it would be would be people that would wait all day just to see a doctor. So you got to imagine what it's like in Jesus' day that the word is going out. They didn't have text messaging. They didn't have Twitter. They didn't have Facebook. They just had word of mouth and, and trumpets, you know what I'm saying, to let, get the word out. So the word comes out that this dude can heal sicknesses and diseases, and so cats with pimples to to to, to everything from pimples to, to demon possession was coming to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now check it out. It says, and the whole city gathered together at the door. That is crazy. So you see, Jesus, I don't know if anybody ever, uh, you can't tell me you've been that busy. A city, a city. We ain't talking about, we ain't talking about like it was busy today at the, at the line that you were working in the McDonald's and it was the line, we ain't talking about that. We ain't talking about the line like on gyms on South Street that goes around the corner. That's still a short line compared to this. We talking about an entire city. An entire city found out that Jesus Christ is in town doing some booming ministry and they lined up outside the door. And it may not mean the entire, entire city, but it means most of the city. <laughs> then it goes and it says, verse 34, it says, And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. So this took work. He's touching people, he's saying stuff to people, he's walking up to people, he got people grabbing all on him, and he would not permit the demons to speak, so he's fighting people and demons, because they knew him. And listen to verse 35, it says, and rising early in the morning, stop! That's crazy. Now you got to understand, he, he finished the work. Now, I'm pretty sure, because the, the text was already evening when he started, so it probably went deep into the night. Jesus got a little bit of a nap, 
And because of the pace of his life, he couldn't say, I needed another five minutes in sleep. I need another gap of time with God. And it says right here, it says, and rising early in the morning while it was still dark. So that means it was probably between 4 and 6 a.m. according to what season it was. And he departed and went out to a desolate place and there he prayed. I wonder did Jesus have to sneak out the back? I don't know what he had to do. But Jesus, our Lord, prioritized prayer in his life. And none of, so, so, if, so in Jesus' life, we see that busyness is absolutely no excuse why we can't be getting it in with the Lord. And then it says, look what happens after that. It says, and Simon and those who were with him searched for him. So they were trying to find his secret place. He probably didn't tell them because he knew what they were going to do. He says, see, I got to, I got to, he left, that's the equivalent of him leaving his cell phone at the house. And it says, and they found him and said to him, yo, everyone looking for you. And he said to them, let us go to the next towns that I may preach there also for there, for, um, for that is why I came out. And he went out throughout all Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. It's interesting that his disciples were helping him with the ministry, but he was up praying and they weren't. So when we look at the life of our Lord, these are simple things. I'm almost embarrassed that I'm teaching on it, but it's, it's so simple for our lives. Some of the most simple things are the most heavy to do. I, I remember when I was, I remember when I was, um, I was, I was, I was benching about 325. I remember that. That was a while ago. I ain't been there in a good while. And um, I remember when I used to bench 325. I used to cat, 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 get it up, get up off and be going like this in the mirror and carrying on. Um, me and some, me and a friend tried, you know, we went and he put the 245s on. And I was like, oh, that's 135. I'm, you know, I'm stretching my chest going like that. I'm about to get it in. Doing, you know, all the stretching. I get up under that thing. I say, all right, ready. He said, you need lift off? No, I don't need, come on, man. How you going to disrespect me like that? Asking me, do I need lift off? Dudes know what I'm talking about. Lift off me, help. All right, so the, I get the drunk. Said, I was like, oh, my goodness, help Jesus. And then he said, you need lift off? I need help. And so, not lift off, I need help. And I realized that because I, I gave myself I gave myself the benefit of the doubt because of what my lifting used to be like. But I hadn't lifted in a long time, and so I was expecting to get right back in the weight room and be as strong as I was without consistently doing it. Some of you all don't know why God has backed up from you a little bit. He says, okay, I'm going to let you do life on your own because you think you can lift it on your own. And then you try to get back in prayer with him, and he seems extremely far. He does that on purpose. Based on James 4, he said, if you draw near to me, I'll draw near to you. But many times that lack of emptiness in your prayer time that you sense with God is not God not being there. He just wants to see how much you want to be with him. So he says, I'm not going to give you a sense of peace. I'm not going to give you a sense of comfort. I'm not going to give you a sense of my presence. Because uh, I don't need you faking me out and carrying on. I need to know you really want to be here. So I'm going to give you some time before I drop the oil of peace in your soul. And so, and, so, and so God, listen, listen, fam, 
You're going to have to. Some of you all say, I get in the Bible and I don't, I, I don't connect with God. I get in prayer and I don't connect. You keep pressing. You press because your time with God ain't about feeling. It's not about checking off. I did it. My devotions were done this morning. If you don't want to get with a person, then that's frustrating for anybody, especially a God that's relational. God wants you to want to be with him, not to check something off. You know, my, my son, my, my, you know, my son, man, he wanted to hang up here with his dad today. He said, I want to be with you. So we, he, he hanging up here today. But it's funny, you know, my son, I'll say, Manny, say your grace. And he'll just say, thank you, Lord, for this food in Jesus' name. Amen. I said, ah, ah. What you laughing at? <laughs> and I'll say, son. And I'll just look at him because I said, I do this a lot. I said, I pray a lot of prayers that I pray over and over and over again. And there's nothing wrong with that, son. But I want you to remember that you're talking to the living God. Remember that you're talking with a person, not getting something out of the way to keep yourself from getting sick from what you eat. So, so let's do this again. And Manny would be like, Thank you, Lord, for your blessings and your wisdom. Thank you, Lord, for the trees that you made. I love playing on trees, God. Also, God, I really like the dirt in the backyard. Thank you for Daddy taking me to Toys R Us and buying me the Clone Wars action figure. That's really, really cool. Oh, thank you for the paint that Mommy put on the wall so I can have chalk paint. I mean, so he's going. And, that, and, and, I, and then we said, and we, but then we have to help him land the plane. You know what I'm saying? Pray for the food, son, and land the plane. But it's, it's interesting. It's interesting, though. It's interesting, when I tell him he's talking to a person, his prayers change. So you're not just throwing something out there. When you, when you sense your need to be in the certain place, it's about God, I, I really want to be with you. Like, I, in these times, I don't feel like it. Many times, I wake up feeling like my day is more important than getting with God. And I'm like, God, I got a lot to do, but I can, I, and the Holy Spirit, you can hear him just click it, click it. He just does, I don't know what, how he does it with you, but I just get this uneasy feeling like, not, not that my day's going to go bad just because I didn't, but I'm saying there is a sense in which my approach to my day is not going to be the same if I don't get with him. Not the day's going to be bad, I have to earn my day to be good by being, so I don't want you, see that's the other side of it, that's called, that's when it becomes legalism. I'm spending time with you so that you can bless me today. His mercies are new every morning without you praying. Remember we said his mercies are waiting as an alarm clock to be with you for that day. That's why they're new. So you don't earn mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. God gives that anyway. However, prayer is a means of grace to release that which he'll only release if you get in prayer with him. So you got to get in a certain place, family. You got to get in a certain place. And so back over in Luke. As we talk about this, I want to talk about some of the obstacles real quick to prayer that Jesus even talks about. You don't have to turn there in Matthew 6. He talks a lot about it. He talks first about the hypocritical prayer. Say hypocritical prayer. You know, I, I, you know I'm not dogging any denominations. Please don't hear me doing this, okay? Um, I'm not dogging traditionalism. I'm not dogging traditional people. But, 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 but. An obstacle to prayer is man-centered prayer or manward prayer versus Godward prayer. Let me explain what that looks like. 
Jesus says, Jesus talks about not praying in public in a way that brings attention to you. I remember sometimes we would pray and it seemed like there would be an information competition between everybody around the prayer circle. So one person would say, God, I thank you for your omnipotence. I thank you for that you've hung the curtains of glory and you, and you, and you slipped the rafters of the stars. And then the next person started praying. Then it's this big X. And, and it just seems like everybody's trying to beat the other person's prayer and preach a sermon through their prayer to everybody around them rather than talking to God. Prayer ain't for everybody around you. They are just getting the eavesdrop. When we do community prayer, it is just the eavesdrop communally on what it's like for all of us to go before God together. Don't be trying to exhort. And Lord, some of us, that's how you know you about to get on. Some of us need to, because you know how we are, God, and you begin exhorting others in prayer rather than talking to God in prayer. And so that's very, very important. Jesus says if you're talking to yourself, or you're talking to men, just don't pray at all. But if you want to talk to God, get before him. Irrelevant repetition that doesn't say anything, saying thank you multiple times. Nothing wrong with saying thank you, but sometimes you got to say something. Some of us in our prayer, even in our culture, the Pivotal Fellowship, try to pray so everybody can say, mmm, during our prayer. You know, you know the epiphany, mmm, you know what I'm saying? That means you said something great, and then it feeds you even more. Dang, I got to get something else to get that again. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You like the loud amens. I, I remember one guy was talking about his son. He said, Doc, he shouted the folk, man, in his prayer. Like, like, you're talking to the wrong cat, man. I don't care about people shouting because of prayer. I want to know if God heard it. You know what I'm saying? Is he going to answer like that type of stuff, you know? So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like answers, not jokers falling out, praise God. So, but when you're in a certain place, and when you've been with God regularly, you don't care what people are doing when you pray. Because you're so passionate about how you've developed your communion with God that you have a relationship with him and a fellowship with him that far exceeds the response of the people around you. Jesus not only does that, uh, we'll just name some other things before we get into the layout of the Lord's Prayer. Jesus' earthly intercession prayer was bananas. But, I mean, I don't even have time to just talk about, we could just do a whole time on the intercessory prayers of Jesus. In, in his incarnation and while he's sitting at the right hand of God. Just, just, it's just dumb, you know what I'm saying? But Luke 6, 18 talks about the fact, look at Jesus' level of dependence. Luke 6, 18. It says, and he came down, verse 17, it says, he came down, he came down, hold on, let me make sure I'm in the right, am I chapter 6, verse 18? I'm in 5, I'm sorry. There we go. My, my chapter 8, there it is, there it is, there it is. And it says, actually it's chapter, verse 12. And it says, in these days, verse 12, it says, in these days he went out, to the mountain to pray, and all night he continued in prayer to God. What for? And then it says, and when they came, he called his disciples, and he chose from them 12 whom he had named apostles. So you got to understand, he had already met the 12 before this event 
But now he's spending time in prayer with God, in dependence on God about who he's going to choose to start the church movement. So he intercedes on their behalf. Um, we don't have time to go there, but Luke twenty-two thirty-two. I'm going to turn there. We do have time to turn there. Let's turn there. Luke twenty-two thirty-two. Luke twenty-two thirty-two. Verse 31, it says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you, that he might sift you like wheat. But I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail, and when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Jesus' prayer life was focused so much on and concerned about more than just God sending blessings from heaven, but he was also concerned about people's relationship and walking with God. So he had a rich intercessory prayer life. And on the cross, I'm blown away. Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. He even interceded for the people that were giving him the beat down. Now, let me ask a hard but easy question to ask. Can you pray? Like, I remember getting jumped when I was 14 years old. Prayer probably was the last thing on my mind at that time. I wanted to get my father's 30-odd six and get in the car and find the cats, but I couldn't. Amen. But what's funny about Jesus that's crazy is that the Lord Jesus Christ prayed for people that heard him. How many of you have a heart? How many of us have a heart to be like Jesus in his prayer life, walk like Jesus, and pray for people who have slaughtered us, either physically, emotionally, in our past. Can we, do we really have the ability, and not just praying, not just praying like angry prayers of how angry we are. It's a time for venting. But at a certain point, at a certain point, we got to be able to pray hard prayers. And because some of us have a false view of prayer, that we think it's going to be this time where it's going to be bubbles in the atmosphere and the smell of roses, and we're going to be, um, we're going to be walking real slow, and, and the, earth is, we're going to, the room is going to be spinning. Sometimes prayer is hard. 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 And if sometimes you'll feel like you're hitting a brick wall in prayer, but that doesn't mean stop praying. So what's beautiful about Jesus is he was willing to have a hard-time prayer life. But then, and, and, and again, back in... Luke chapter 11, we're back in there. It's interesting in Luke 11 how next Jesus, it says now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And it says, and when he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. That's, that's, that's interesting to me. Every time I, I, I listen to that, it's such a simple statement. But I'm pretty sure... That while Jesus was praying, they knew that certain place this time. By this time, they'd been with him for a while. And they came in, and they probably eavesdropped on his prayer. You look in Luke 9, 18, you don't have to turn there. Where they noticed Jesus, they were around a lot when Jesus prayed, sometimes in the certain place, and they knew that they needed to be quiet. And there was something about Jesus' prayer life that was different because they had prayed at this point. So, so, so it wasn't that they weren't praying. There was a sense that they didn't know how to pray. Now you got to understand, these are the same dudes that helped feed 5,000 people. These are the same dudes that Jesus sent out on a missionary trip 
and they were casting out demons and healing sicknesses, came back bragging about all the work that God did on the mission trip. These are those guys. Guys did all of that ministry and all of that work and walk with Jesus all of that time and still did not know how to pray. Remember, your work for God doesn't determine your spiritual depth. Your being with God does. I hope you walk away. If nothing else, you walk away with that. And they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. We want to we wanna learn how to pray. Listen, I want to have a prayer life like Jesus's, where people run into my prayer time with God and they feel like they've entered the holies of holies. I want my son, I want Manny to come down and want, come down in the basement, sneak down and just sit on the steps and just listen to how I talk with God. I want my wife to, to sense me laying my hands on her in the middle of the night praying for her. She wake up just a little bit hearing me uttering to God for her. I want Nehemiah when he grows up and develops to hear me praying. I want you guys to catch me praying and being before God. I want to have the type of prayer life that's mimicable. A spiritual life that people, I'm not trying to be, I'm not talking about a giant, a superstar or something. I'm talking about a person that people would look at and say, that's what it looks like to have intimacy with God. Every one of us should see, especially the men. Especially the dudes. Because 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, say, I want the men everywhere to pray. In other words, men, we should be leading the charge. When somebody says, I need somebody to pray, it shouldn't be, Lord, I thank you. No, Lord, I thank you should be the first voice. I'm tired of dudes being scared to pray. But when you don't do it by yourself, you're going to be fearful to do it when the community comes together. We got to have beefy prayer lives, man. You want to get married, learn to pray. Because if you can't pray, you can't lead a household. You can't. You ain't ready for kids. You ain't ready for no wife. You just want to have some sex. No, you need to learn how to get some prayer. Your spiritual hormones need to be busting all over the place. Come on, somebody. So, you, I mean, so we need, I'm going to stay on this for a second. Men, we need to get up off of our Watusis and strive with God. And I'm telling you, I don't care how ugly you are, dude. You let the women of God catch that you got intimacy with God. You let a woman of God, they be talking, girl, I know he got love handles, but. He was going before God. Now I'm about to go on before God before him. You know, and um, he that findeth a wife, I'm not going to try to find him, but I'm going to find him, me before the throne of grace, and pray that he would find me in some way, shape, or form. But I'm, I'm telling you guys, y'all trying to get new sneaks, trying to put on cologne, getting your hair cut, that's all good. But learn to pray. It'll get you a wife. I'm just telling you in the name of Jesus right now. I'm just telling you. I'm just telling you. Hey, ladies, am I, am I fronting right now? If you got a dude that can get one through, he can be a little ugly. He can be a, because you can work on that. We're going to say, baby, we're going we gonna to go on the makeover on TV. You know, but, you know, I can work through that. But you get before, we're going to work on the halitosis. We're going to work on flossing. We're going to work through all of that. But, <laughs> Lister meant, you know, but, but, work on the gear. But, but you, you know Jesus well. 
and, I, and, a, and a woman wants to be up under the umbrella of a man that knows God. Because you can be broke and get a prayer through and she'll know that she's provided for. There's no better security. You can have a fleet of guns. You can have tanks. You can have alarm systems. But if you got a man that can pray, sisters, I'm trying to tell you right now, you got all the security you need. And so, fellas, you're going to need to do it. But then sometimes we wig out, ladies. And we're going to need a woman that's not a nag. Yeah, you thought it was just going to be the men, didn't you? Yeah, you thought you thought she's just going to clap the whole time, didn't you? Clap at that. It's, it's, it's that we need a lady. <laughs> I mean, we need women of God who are less concerned about how cute their shoes are and their French manicure is, amen, and their jewelry. Does this necklace match this earring? I want to know that your soul matched the Lord Jesus Christ. How about that? How about that? We want to know, can you get one through two, ladies? We want to know that we have a prayer partner. And I guarantee it's not just a family that prays together, stay together. It has to be two people that are uniquely walking with God in their certain place, and then they link up their certain place together so that when they pray together, they are working together and getting more done by the grace of God because heaven is wide open because of Jesus and time in. We want to be a praying community. God can do more for you in prayer. <laughs> he can do more in prayer. I didn't mean to stay too long on this, but... But, but he can do more in prayer. He can do more in prayer than you can do with your own hands working on it yourself. And so I'm praying that we, we wouldn't be a bunch of smack talkers. And not lifestyle walkers. I'm praying that God would give us the grace to have rich, in-depth prayer lives all over. And when another brother or sister falls, we, we're able to pray to them. Pray for them in the time of need for them. And we want to have mimicable prayer lives, but then we, we got to move. It says, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. It's interesting. Now, you got to understand, Andrew, based on John chapter 1, verses 35 through 43, was a, Andrew was a disciple of John. And John, um, uh, and, and little John, young John, not little John in Atlanta, but, you know, <laughs> little John, the young John, is several Johns, but it was the youngest John. He was the young buck among the disciples. You know, he was also, he was also a disciple of John. And so, and what's interesting is he said, can you teach us to pray like John taught his disciples to pray? Now, this is what's interesting. John the Baptist had already taught them how to pray. So they could have talked to each other about how John the Baptist prayed. But there was still something missing. And as powerful and as fiery as John the Baptist was, there was something still different about Jesus' prayers that made them think they needed to learn prayer all over again. <laughs> and so they said, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ begins walking them through the beauty of prayer. We may not get through all of this today, but if we do, we do. We don't, we don't. We'll pick up next week. He starts with, Father, say Father. 
that, 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 that is probably for them. It's hard for us to understand it because everybody's a Christian in our culture. And they say, Father, but this is a very unique word, you guys. Everybody can authentically say, Father, and him respond like he knows you. Let me just park here for a second. He starts with Father. It didn't, he didn't start with Oh. He starts with Father. And, and, and it's the sense of, and he would have been speaking to them in the, in, in, in the Aramaic or Hebrew tongue. He would have said, Abba. And it's not necessarily the equivalent in English as daddy. It's not necessarily, but it, it, but it has the same connotation practically because it's an emphasis on intimacy. That there's an intimate relationship. I remember one time where I was working at a church and, and it was a young girl there, but she was a single she had a single mom. And when I was walking in, all of the parents were coming to get their kids. And, and I remember just as clear as day, her coming up to me saying, Daddy! And I kind of was taken aback. Because, uh, you know, I never, she never did that in private. She never did that. So it kind of threw me off a little bit, and I felt real bad for her. And the reason why she was doing that is because she saw everybody around her all her other friends, they, she had seen their daddy pick them up. But she had never, she'd never met her father before. And so to impress her friends, she called me daddy. And I remember what my, I knew immediately why she was doing it. But it still made me feel uncomfortable. Because the people around knew me. And so for her to call me daddy, it was, it was kind of a bad witness, but I didn't put her out there. But one of the things I did feel on the inside was I felt a deep discomfort because I knew I wasn't her daddy. And there are people that are going before God talking about father and you're not his. You're not his. You've never trusted Jesus and you're trying to talk to him like y'all got a relationship. You don't have a relationship with him. I don't care if you read the Bible. I don't care what you, what you said to him. You have no right to call him father. No right. I don't care what church you grew up in and you heard everybody saying, oh, father. You're not his if you don't know Jesus. We're not all God's kids, fam. That's not true. For somebody here, this is going to free you up to trust Jesus. Because you think you got the lingo down. I need to, listen, you think because you got the lingo down and you know how to put a prayer together, that means nothing if the road to heaven through the cross hasn't been put together for you. And so Father, Father is a deep term of intimacy. It means that it, it's an announcement of our son and daughtership in a relationship with God. It means I've been adopted. I'm one of your adopted ones. I'm in a relationship with you. It, I, it, it means that Jesus Christ has made a road. Heaven isn't close to me anymore. Daddy. Some of you need to hear that because your dad was never there for you. And even though the term might scar you, God has freed your soul up to call him daddy, to call him father. And so Jesus, 
instructs his disciples. This would have blown their minds because no one called God Father like that ever before. And then he goes from there, he says, Father, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Here, the idea is, 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 is real simple. It's talking about the uniqueness of the name of God. The uniqueness, the holiness of God's name. It's addressing God in intimate terms. And, 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 but, but what's interesting about this is right after he says, Father, he says, Hallowed. This is interesting because... See, some of us get too comfortable in the presence of God and we start talking to him like a buddy. What up, big man? Chilling, chilling. Wow. God, what you been up to, man? I know you got a lot to do. Now, you don't talk that, like, I know there's a comfort level and some, but like, he's not your boy. And so right after G, Jesus said, okay, there is an intimate relationship there. However, hallow it. <laughs> hallow it means slow your roll. It means don't begin treating God like he's a buddy. God is holy. So he says, he says, hallowed be your name. In other words, it's a term of respect. Intimate respect. Intimate respect. That is what we must begin our prayers with. It's intimacy. I'm in your presence. Thank you for the red carpet of Jesus' blood. I'm here. Now, there's a sense of awe that you should feel when you're before God in prayer. And it says, hallowed be your name. This is the point that some, and this marks off some because God isn't fully approachable without Christ. And Jesus being perfect human still approached God as father. He approached him reverently, even though he is the only one who has uh, earned the right to be in God's presence. We who have been redeemed must never act as if we deserve to be in his presence. When you announce that God is holy, you're saying, Lord, I still recognize that you're holy and I know that I did not get here on my own. That is very, 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 very important. You must never forget saying the name of Jesus at the end of the prayer isn't merely praying in Jesus' name. Just because you said Jesus' name at the end of the prayer doesn't mean that you were praying in Jesus' name. Praying in Jesus' name is pointing to the fact that you're not in God's presence without Jesus taking you there. When Jesus said, ask in my name, that means a sphere where he dwells. And so the beauty of this, I'm going to just end here because... I'm going to just end here. We'll, we'll pick up next week. But, 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 but I want us to have a deep sense as we walk in our prayer lives of intimacy and respect. Intimacy and respect. I'll give you an example while I close. You know, my father grew up a lot differently than me, my earthly father. And so um, one time I was outside. My father was coming in, friends around, and we just got finished. We called it in D.C., we called it Jonah. You know what I'm saying? Some people call it capping, scoring, whatever you want to call it. That means we're going back and forth, talking about each other's mom and family and each other, right? So my dad comes in, and I'm in this funny mood. I'm a funny guy right now, right? So I said, what's up, Big Jimmy? I, and then when I said it, 
was like, I was like, oh, Lord. Are y'all hating me around me right now? Are y'all pray for me? And when I said that, come on in the house, and I want to talk to you about something. And everybody said, everybody was kind of like, and everybody knew the beatings of Eric Mason at 717 Ingraham Street, Washington, D.C., 20011 was legendary in the uptown section of Washington, D.C. It was legendary because my, we didn't have good air conditioning, so the windows were always up. And so I'm going in the house knowing I'm about to die, and I'm going, he said, just go upstairs. When I go upstairs, when he commands me to go upstairs, I know what it's about. And my father would not, he would come upstairs, and I don't know if he did this on purpose, but he would begin taking off his belt while he was coming up the stairs, and he had one of them big buckle belts like the old heads used to have in the 70s and the 60s, and them joints would just ringle, ling-a-ling, linger, ling-a-ling, and he coming up the steps, and I'm, uh, and I'm just sitting there like, it, it just made it worse. And, and, and it just, I, I don't know, it just, death came over me, and he pulled off his belt, and he just had skill. He would pull it off, and it would come out, and it would go, and it would just grab like that. You know what I'm saying? And he said, and he'd bring it down to his side, and he would begin talking to me. And he would say, while you have breath in your body and you got black skin. And you know when a black parent say that, you know it's, it's kind of lights out. He said, don't you ever call me by my first name. And he talked to me through every strike. Did you hear what I said? Did you hear what I said? I love you, but you're not going to call me by my ticket first name. And he just went through because he wanted me to understand that we had a relationship of intimacy. But he said, intimacy doesn't mean respect. And I remember that because I laid on the bed, and you know you're crying on a new level when you just... <laughs> and you can't talk to him. Yeah, that's when you know it's a whole nother level of prayer. But I'm letting you know that I always remember to balance my intimacy with respect. And I'm just saying today that God the Father demands greater attention than that. That we would have great intimacy with him in our walk with him. That we would talk to him, never stop talking, have a certain place, love being with him, but also have a level of respect, great respect, knowing that he's holy and inapproachable without Jesus. Don't start thinking that you got in his presence on your own. That's why you got to remember the cross when you pray. Because when you remember the cross when you pray, you approach God rightly. Because you know that Jesus Christ is the means by which you got there. So never forget that Father means that it's intimate and we have a relationship with him through Jesus Christ. But he is holy, meaning he was unapproachable, but through Christ he's now approachable. So I exhort you today, family of God, bombard the throne of grace this week. Bombard it this week with great excitement, with great trembling with great reverence and spend time thanking him for intimacy. Thank him for intimacy. Even if you don't feel like you're intimate with God right now, 
Thank him for it in advance because the Bible says be anxious for nothing but everything by prayer and supplication with what? Thanksgiving. So thank him in advance for what you don't feel right now. And then go with great respect before him this week. Next time we'll, we'll, we'll wrap up the rest of the prayer. I know we've been going for a while, so we're going we're gonna to end it right here. But maybe you're here today and, and you've been praying, but you, you found out that you're calling God Father and you're out of order. He's only the God to you, not Father. He's not even your God, but he is still a God whether he's yours or not. Maybe you're here today and you said you want to trust Jesus Christ as Savior. That's you. But you, you have to first, you got to repent of your sins because you don't get in his presence on your own. You don't get it in with him on your own. It's only through the cross, only through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Trust Christ and Christ alone. Repent of your sins and turn to him. Trust him by grace alone, through faith alone, through who? Christ alone. If that's you, fill out a card on the back table, slip it in the back. We want to chop it up with you, Father. As we prepare our hearts and minds for communion, Lord God, we honor you for the fact that you give us access to you. You give us relationship, but you also give us intimacy. And so, God, I pray that we would approach you that way. Next week, we'll grab a hold to your name, God, and talk about the power of your name in prayer. Thank you, Jesus Christ, for giving us access to you. We love you, Lord Jesus. We bless you, Lord Jesus. We honor you. And if someone's here and they don't know you, someone's here and they don't know you as Savior, God, I pray that they would trust you as Savior. Lord, bless our time of communion. Be with us as we celebrate the way we get access to you, and that's through the death of Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.